Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children 18 plus, you are tuned in to the Loan Officer Podcast with me, Dustin Owen, and I have with me today in the office studio, all the way from Signature Wealth Advisors, the one, the only UCF grad, Todd Bryant. Todd, welcome to the welcome to the Loan Officer Podcast. Dustin, thank you so much for having me, man. Yeah, this is going to be fun. This is good. So, so today we typically don't try to timestamp these, but Todd is a fellow UCF Knight. I can see JC behind the camera already giving me the eye roll. I'm going to timestamp it. But we specifically made sure that we coordinated our schedules to do this on a Monday when UCF is coming off a bye week because we couldn't handle another dagger to the heart, such as that Tulsa game a week and a half going on two weeks ago. There was no way I could do anything productive last week after that loss. No, definitely not on, on not on not on Monday at least. Maybe by Wednesday I kind of licked my wounds and uh, it had gone on. But whatever. This week, hopefully, Coach Hype is getting the team all hyped up and ready to travel up to Memphis to take on the Tigers, and we're going to get back to our winning ways and be one and zero. But uh, today we're going to talk. Um, well, one signature wealth advisor. So you are by profession a financial planner. Yes, financial planner. Um, so very interesting. You and I were uh, doing a, a pre-interview chat, and um, you know, I, I definitely want to talk to you about what you do for a living at some point in today's show because I constantly use phrases like, listen, guys, I'm not a financial advisor, but I play one on TV. I'm not a financial planner, but I play one on TV. But any chance I get to get one in the studio to talk, I want to take advantage of it just to make sure that I'm not 100% talking out of my ass when I do some of these shows. I love having guys like you on. But things that came up in our in our pre-show interview, Toastmasters and trivia for building your brand. And I'm like, oh my God. One, Toastmasters, I want to ask you a ton of questions on just because it's something I've always been curious about. But then the trivia for business development purposes, I think A, is a genius idea. And B, more people, regardless of their profession, could probably swipe and adapt that idea if they, too, had a business that they were looking to promote and they were the sole marketeer of that business. Where would you like to start? Toastmasters or would you like to start uh, trivia? I say we start trivia since I started doing trivia prior to Toastmasters. Okay, perfect. So trivia. And we're talking going to a bar after hours with your crew, your significant other, your spouse, your neighbors, whatever your trivia group was, putting together your creative, corny, yet catchy name. Mm -hmm. And there has to be someone with a microphone and the questions. I'm assuming you were the guy with the microphone and the questions. That's it. Okay. How did you get into it? Why did you get into it? And what did you get out of it? Besides, it was a side hustle. I'm sure you made up, you picked up some extra coin to help pay the bills. Mm -hmm. But from from a business standpoint, how did it help you um, get to the next level in your financial planning business? Yeah, definitely. It was 2009 that I first got into it. And uh, my first full year in the business was 2008. As you could imagine, that wasn't a great first full year. I didn't exactly set any company records. Yeah, no, no one. one of the worst years I think I think ever. people just lost half of their life savings. They yeah. probably weren't looking to uh, invest any money at that point. Yeah, uh, the good thing is I'm one of the few that could say I didn't lose any of my clients' money because I didn't have any clients <laughs> to have lost any of their money. 
So 2008 was a rough year. Uh, personally, I had um, one of my best friends passed away as well, and, and so I was struggling in a, bit, in a hard business anyway, which was tough. The, the year sucked for trying to talk to business owners about in, investing and saving and buying insurance and those things. And then personally had some, some problems. So I was just really kind of struggling that first year, and this was my second year in the business, and I reached out to one of my buddies who was a couple years ahead of me in the business. Okay. And we were on the phone one night, and he started kind of mentoring me and coaching me and, and helping me out. And, and we were on the phone probably like 5, 5.30 in the evening. He's like, all right, I got to go. It's trivia night. I said, oh, you play trivia. That's cool. He goes, no, I'm the host. And his name's Evan. Shout out to my boy, Evan. I'm sure he'll be watching. <laughs> and Evan said, no, 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 I'm the host of trivia. And I said, what are you talking about? You're a successful guy. You're, you're running a great business. You're making all this money. How do you have time to do that? He goes, Todd, this is how I meet people. And he explained it to me in the same exact way that you set it up, is that uh, Bar will buy from this company. There's a franchise that would go out there called Trivia Nation. My buddy Steve Howard is the owner. And he goes to the different bars, has them set it up. And then once he has a bar that agrees to doing it on a Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday night, because it's normally one of their slower nights of the week where they would want to do some sort of promotion like this, then the bar will pay a set amount. He'll find someone to go be the host who's normally going to be like a – younger single person like in their 20s and then pay them a cut and then the bar will you know still pay him a cut as well so he has about a hundred something bars around uh, florida good for steve yeah steve's done a great job in this yeah, business, he has scaled he yes. has scaled well at the time i was his second person in orlando he was only in jacksonville in 09 and gave me a call about it after my buddy evan explained it to me and he just said you're gonna get paid and i know you need the money but you're also going to meet people, and it gets you also comfortable being on stage and in front of people and, and all of these things. And I went to my, my manager and mentor at the time, Kevin, who I'll give another shout-out to, and he was like, no, nah, this isn't going to work. I don't see it. <laughs> it wasn't in that company's playbook. No one had done it before you, right? No, yeah. yeah. The company's been around for 150 years, yeah. and they're like, no, we don't see anyone that's been a financial <laughs> advisor and a trivia host. It's not going to work. There's plenty of other routes you can go. And like any good pupil of his, I didn't listen to him, and I went ahead and did it anyway. <laughs> so the first month, I was about a month into it, and I would show up, and I would just, they gave me the microphone, they gave me the questions every week. People automatically assumed I was pretty smart because I always knew all the answers, even though they're standing there in front of me. <laughs> I would always dress nice, so I'd be coming from work, and I would just take off the tie and just have on a nice shirt and nice pants. So it always prompted the question, what do you really do? Which... In businesses like ours, if, if they ask us, it's just tease yep, it up yep, for success. Wide right open. Yeah. yeah. So I had an attorney come up to me at the end of the trivia show about a month into it, and he's like, Todd, people from your company have been calling me for years, and I haven't taken any of their calls. I know, I know where you work, and I know I see you from the halls. And if you run your financial business like you run this trivia game, you're the guy I want to work with. Get out of town. And I was like, well, you got to be kidding me. Yeah. And, I, and I thought that one of my buddies like slipped this guy at 20 and was yeah. just like, pretending like that. Yeah. So now to this day, a couple of years into it, um, there was two of my best clients today, still till two of my favorite clients that I met at Trivia Night, and many, many more after that. And I actually did the math after about seven years, and it was about twenty-five grand a year that I made off of Trivia. Wow. How long did you do Trivia for before you finally kind of hung it up because it ran its course for you? I did it for seven years. You did Trivia for seven years? Yeah, every week. Uh, at Scruffy Murphy's in College Park and then Fiddler's Green in Winter Park. Shout out to both Scruffy Murphy's and Fiddler's Green. Uh, now, if you really want to blow my mind, did you meet your wife at Trivia? No. 
Oh, okay. No. Uh, we were we, really shooting for the stars on that one. No, she uh, she showed up for the first couple ones, and then eventually she's like, you're going to keep doing this every week, aren't you? And I was like, <laughs> I think so. It's working pretty well. She's like, all right, I'm just going to stay home. Yeah, and but, she was mad I wouldn't really feed her any answers. Just yeah. like in my real career, I was very, very by the books as a trivia host, and if people see my wife coming up to win every time, that's not going to Yeah, no, that's, that, that's like insider trading. It's yeah. a massive no-no. She wanted like real housewife questions and stuff. And I was like, <laughs> I can't throw that in there either. What uh, uh, trivia hours were like seven to nine? Yeah. Seven to nine. It was eight to 10. Okay. The first one. And then the next one, when I, sw- I moved over to Fiddlers and that one was seven to nine. Yeah. But that's, I mean, whether you're doing a B&I uh, type, type uh, networking event or you're going to an industry happy hour you could have sat in the office and cold called 200 names or you're like, no, let's go hang out at one of a Orlando's coolest and trendiest bars with cool people. Cause by the way, only cool people show up to trivia, even nerdy people. They're the cool nerds, right? And so you're usually you're, pretty smart and pretty you well, know, well off and smart people are educated. I just read this actually, um, talking about the median income in, in the U S and it's like $56,000, except if you're college educated, at which point the median household income is like $96,000. Hmm. So typically people who like trivia tend to be well-read and maybe even formally educated. And I use that because two of the smartest guys I know that used to just throttle us in Trivia Pursuit, um, actually one received his degree 20 years after the fact, and one still hasn't. So wow. just because you don't have a degree doesn't mean you're not smart, you're not well-read, and you can't dominate in trivia. But most likely, the odds are in your favor that those people are going to be educated formally, which means that their household income is not $56,000. It's closer to $96,000. Mm-hmm. That was awesome. Yeah. So anyone listening, like this applies to realtors, to loan officers, to financial advisors, financial planners, financial representatives, uh, life insurance sales. I would even guess a dentist, an attorney, yeah. right? Did, did you said, did you ever have an attorney friend do it or just your first client was an attorney and, 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 and therefore, um, I remember you mentioning the attorney to me during the, the prep call. I just didn't know if you knew an attorney who actually did the trivia as well. Yeah. Yeah. I, st- I still, my buddy, Nick, he does it Tuesday nights at the Harp and Kelt downtown. We'll give more, we're getting some sponsors wow, out of yeah. the show here <laughs> tonight. But, Although um, we do the show pro bono still, but nonetheless, we love to hook people up. We love the shout outs. Uh, we, we, we love to tell people where to go for things, uh, our recommendations, but, um, yeah, no, no, no sponsorships just yet, but maybe down the road, all right. maybe down the road. All right. Toastmasters. So Toastmasters for those that don't know, and I'm going to butcher it cause I'm going to give you the DO version of how I think Toastmasters Perfect. think of a networking event that you can go to where you can practice public speaking and presentation skills with other people who are there for the same thing. Toastmasters? Yeah. And Toastmasters good. International is is the, the the name of the, is it a club or an organization? Organization. Very old, about 100 years old, I think. And and each city has one or two chapters, and they meet on you know certain Wednesday morning at 7 a.m. at the local Broken Egg Breakfast Joint or whatever the case may be. But it allows you to, amongst other people who share your same fears and your same anxieties, but also your same desire to become better, you can work on your public speaking skills. And you took it to the next level, right? Because I'm I'm imagining you joined one of Orlando's local chapters. Mm -hmm. And walk me through, what was that like your first year? What was your goal with, with joining Toastmasters? And then let's talk about how far you took it. 
Yeah, I, I actually went to a couple meetings early in my career, and the first one I went to was pretty intimidating. There's a ton of people there, and that, that group had been around for a really long time. They were very structured. And I, at the time, it actually the convenient, it wasn't a convenient location. I just couldn't see myself going there every week, and it, I was pretty intimidated by it. So I've been very active in the Citrus Club downtown for, for many years now, and they started doing it. They opened up a chapter probably four years ago or so. And after about a year, I finally just bit the bullet and decided to go. So it's on Friday mornings at 7.30. So timing was good for me. Location was good. And I was already familiar with it. Based on your description, it was pretty accurate. It was basically a win-win for me. I could develop perf- professionally at the same time, potentially meet potential clients as well. Okay. So it was kind of, a, like you said, a networking, but also professional development. So either way, it's going to help me. And it's insanely inexpensive compared to a lot of those other types of things that you can go out and join and spend a lot of money on. Like the business was, networking yeah. um, type um, institutions, associations that one could join. Yeah. Okay. I, I was very shocked when I actually saw the price of it. And I was like, I should have joined this years ago. Yeah. Now, you would meet weekly, monthly? Weekly. Okay. And your goal going into it was to network, which by the way, so you've mentioned trivia for networking. You've mentioned Toastmasters now. You're your ulterior motive was to to network Mm -hmm. while also bettering yourself in terms of your presentation skills and your public speaking skills. You mentioned the Florida Citrus Club, Mm -hmm. right? Which is another local networking. So already when I'm trying to figure out, well, who is Todd Bryant? How has he become so successful at an early age, right? I mean, you look like you're about 15. Um, You know, you're Slightly older than that, just because I know that you've been out of college for <laughs> at least 10 years. Um, but I'm already putting it together. Well, this dude out-networks everyone else, right? You're not doing anything that anyone else couldn't do. You're just actually doing it, right? Someone else said, oh, I don't know if that trivia thing is going to work out. And you're like, no, I know someone who it's working out for. And this dude's a cool dude, and I'm a cool dude. I can go do the same thing. You did it with Toastmasters. You did it with Citrus Club. Mm-hmm. Um, just kudos. Cause that's just phenomenal. I mean, that is the epitome for out net or yeah. Out network for the win. Uh, we did a show on that like three months ago and that's what it was called out network FTW for the win. Um, but you're in Toastmasters and those, those first few months, like at what point did you realize you wanted to compete you wanted to go, you want to turn this more into just not networking, but something different. What did, what did you pivot into and how far did you take it? Yeah, I've, I've always been extremely competitive no matter what I'm doing. Fantasy football is a good example right now. Do you have any crazy tattoos from losing fantasy football? No, I, okay. and I've never gotten last place to my knowledge Ooh, in the league. So. Okay, knock on wood. Let's yeah. knock on wood because this season's there's, a little bit sideways year. already with uh, teams playing on Tuesday nights or not at all and the adjustment of bye weeks. Okay, but yeah. you're, you're a competitive person. What was your sport growing up or activity? Growing up was basketball. Okay. Yeah, and then it kind of shifted to more football through UCF and fantasy football, really. All right. Um, so competitive by nature mm-hmm. and joined Toastmasters mm-hmm. to network and possibly get better at public speaking. Yeah. And then you realized, oh, they have competitions. Oh, I can maybe go to Chicago. I can maybe go to the world finals. Mm-hmm. What'd you talk about? Why'd you do it? And what'd you get out of it? Yeah. I, so in my first speech... So I, with the comp- competitive juices, what I didn't know about it until I actually showed up was every single week 
there's a competition. You're competing against one other person. So, oh, in, in your local club. Yeah. With, so within 15, every 20, week. five people are showing exactly. up. And every week there's... There's a competition. Okay. So you and I are the are the speed. We, we usually book it out a couple weeks in advance. Okay. And let's just say Todd versus Dustin is coming up next Friday. Did you call me out? Is it like that competitive where you're like, I want that dude? It is. It, yeah, it does. Oh, it yeah. does? Okay. I, I did one a couple weeks ago, and uh, my buddy Brian was just like, he goes, oh, Todd's speaking? Yeah, I'm speaking that week too. And he brought it. He actually beat me because he, he, he gave a... A phenomenal speech. He, no he way. Okay, again, yeah. so I'm learning more about Toastmasters. Hey, I think I might want to do this. Um, this sounds oh, yeah. fun. I didn't know that. Like, and you have to compete, or can you be a little bit more passive if I joined? And I, you know, I, I'm here to network. I'm here to get better, but maybe I'm not ready to compete. Are they going to force me to compete like it's Fight Club, or are they going to let me stand back a bit of a wallflower and witness? It is kind of like Fight Club, and I shouldn't have been talking about any of this based on that. <laughs> uh, this is a. Uh, by the way, first rule of Fight Club is you don't talk about Fight Club, but <laughs> for those that haven't seen the Brad Pitt, Edward Norton, just epic movie from 1999, check it out. It's the Lone Officer podcast of movies. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. I like it. I would say that uh, you would, if you joined, you, they, they're going to give you, yeah, you could kind of float by for a couple months, but eventually you will need to give a speech. And when you do need to give a speech, it will be against somebody else. Okay. So it, People can kind of go a couple months of just kind of getting getting their feet wet, kind of getting to learn it. And every week there's different roles. So you can kind of practice being one of the different roles before you jump into a real speech. But um, in my real first speech that I did, or my, my first speech, they call it the icebreaker. And I started like getting tears in my eyes like a minute into it. And I made the audience cry at the same time, kind of talking about my parents' divorce. And nowhere in the practice of my speech did I start crying or think that I was going to start crying. And at the end of it, there was a guy that's been in it for like 30 years, and he came up to me. He's like, I've never seen people laugh and cry and like cheer so loud on someone's first speech before. He's wow. Like, You've got a gift for this. Wow. Okay. And that's when I was like, okay, maybe, maybe I might be pretty good at this. And I'd actually done some speeches at UCF, and I did one in front of Like about, debate club or through your fraternity or? This was through the National Society of Collegiate Scholars. They had me be their keynote speaker for their incoming freshman so it was oh it was so you had already people. you had already graduated you had come yeah, back yeah. as as an alumnus you'd come back to the university yeah okay so this was about four years ago okay and i did that speech and i felt like i did all right but at the same time just kind of like if you perform in any type of performance afterwards you're just kind of grading yourself and i was like i screwed up there i shouldn't have said that i need to talk slower there and that actually was one of the things that made me join toastmasters because i was like at the same time networking but I know I could get better at this, and this is something I'm passionate about. I enjoy doing. So once that competition came around, they're like, yeah, competition's coming up. Anybody from within our group, which is about 25 people, can join. And we first we have it within our group. And actually, in that this was in 2018. I got second place in that one. So, okay. And the guy that won is also a financial advisor. And I was, so I was pretty bummed about it. And I was like, oh, man, he's really good, so maybe I'll get it next year. And how long are these? Like five minutes, ten minutes? Five to seven minutes. Okay. If you go over seven minutes and 30 seconds, which I very re- – I, I, I toe the line very um, frequently, you're disqualified. Oh, so wow. So if you go over 7.30 or if you don't hit five minutes, I'm screwed for going over seven. I can't even – I, I try to timestamp these, and Coleman's like, just stop. Like, we're not doing a 25-minute show. I know that's your dream, but yeah, okay. Yeah, so it, that that's challenging, especially in, when you're talking about, like, your life. You, it's yeah. hard to get your life down into seven minutes. You can talk about your kids for an hour to start it off with. So um, 
So I actually lost that one, and then they said, oh, by the way, the top two go on to the next stage from this club. So since I got second place, they are like, all right, you're in for the next one. So the next competition was between four clubs. So it was about, let's say, roughly 100 people could have qualified for that one. And the same guy that I lost to for my club was also in that one. And it was a Saturday morning. They had it at OUC because companies will also have their own Toastmasters. Okay. Like Waterstone could have their own if they wanted to, if there's enough interest. So OUC has their own. So they had this one at OUC headquarters. And that one I ended up winning. And it was a speech about my best friend. And I mentioned him passing away in, in 2008. So it's basically a speech all about him. And um, you know, his parents, their biggest fear is that he was he's forgotten. And okay. I just told him that I'm going to make it my life's goal to make sure people don't forget about him. So, That's so cool. So we have actually in front of, right in front of UCF campus, we have one of the bricks for yeah. him, uh, right there. And my buddies and I go visit before home games and things. So I gave that speech about him. And uh, normally when you're giving a speech and you keep winning the levels of competition, you do the same speech the whole time and you can just take it all the way to the top. If you make the top 10 in the world, you have to give a different speech that you haven't given before. Okay. So my plan was I'll just keep telling about my buddy, uh, which accomplishes my goal of more people learning about him. And also I think it's a great speech. But that was so mentally draining and I just like bawled my eyes out as soon as I was done doing it. And you get assigned a speech mentor and I told my speech mentor, I was like, I can't, I can't give that speech again, man. It was, it was too much. So the next time around, uh, this was between, now we're looking at like 20 different clubs to qualify, kind of all of Central Florida. And there was about, I think, five or so people in the competition. And I gave a speech about trivia night. Okay. And I talked about how personally, professionally, financially it impacted me. Financially it was obvious. I got paid to do it. I needed the money, especially at the time. Mm-hmm. I've gotten a lot of clients from it. Financially it helped me. Professionally, it helped me because I got used to being in front of a stage. And in my speech, I gave a joke that the fact that all of the hundred people here aren't drunk right now, like they normally would be a trivia night, yeah. makes this way easier than normally. <laughs> and then personally, I talked about some stories that actually had a significant impact on me on a personal level. That uh, from doing trivia, that I never would have thought would have happened. And part of the, that speech also made people cry in the course of that speech as well. And they're like. I've never seen a guy make someone cry before on giving a speech about trivia. So I ended up winning. The Roy Firestone well. of Toastmasters. It was it was incredible. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. You know, as you sit here and you tell these stories, and then I wish I had a notepad and paper uh, written down because what I love about interviewing successful people is, A, you guys are all extraordinary, which means you're extraordinary, right? It's like, no, side hustle, not afraid to work, not afraid to network, right? When you needed the money, you weren't, woe is me, this sucks, it's 2008. You said, this sucks, it's 2008, and I need to go out network and find a side hustle. You combine the two. Like my side hustle in 2008 was I was an, an assistant auctioneer. Ah. Really fun gig. Like I was that guy that was in the audience at the charity event, and all I was trying to do was pump you up to like get you to outbid Coleman. And then I'd run over to Coleman and be like, bro, you're not going to let that dude in the blue shirt outbid you, right? Come on, your wife's going to kill you if you don't win this trip. And then Coleman would be like, yeah, I'll go. And then I'd yell, yeah, right? I was the hype guy, right? I was like the flavor flave of the of the auctioneer. And it paid 100 bucks a night, which you do that two nights a week, times four weeks, there's $800. I have half my mortgage paid for. Yeah. But I wasn't as smart as you because I should have been doing real estate auctions. I was doing charity auctions. At least at real estate auctions, I maybe could have also found people who needed to possibly finance a home purchase at which I could have been their guy. 
Um, but no, but I'm sitting here and I'm just taking these mental notes. I'm like, yeah, another successful person who just out networks. Well, you're a smart dude, right? And you're an attractive dude. Um, but you, you out hustle people and you're not afraid to out hustle, even if it means getting a side gig. So that's, you know, super cool. So how far did you really make it in Toastmasters? Like at what point and then what speech did, did you lose on and have you given that speech again? I haven't given that speech again. Was, was it the, the trivia speech that you ended up losing yeah. on? Okay. Yeah. So it was a trivia speech again. And this was So, the, but you used the trivia speech to go to the next round. Yeah. Okay. So I, I, I won on the trivia speech and I had, so I'm, at this point I'm at the world quarterfinals. So okay. I, every year this starts from a local club level and Toastmasters is worldwide. There are 300,000 members, I think, worldwide. So then it all goes down. And then every year it's at a, the world uh the world championships at a different location. So that past year was at Chicago. I think last year was like Paris. This year was virtual, surprise, <laughs> surprise. So in that year, I was one step away from Chicago. So if I would have won at that stage, it would have been at the world semifinals in Chicago to then try to go for the world championship. The world championship, it's not like people walk down the street and know who you are, but you're gonna probably get some like sponsorships and they have them. I, I see those types of people speak on different uh, like TV shows and things. Wow, and like TED Talks and yeah, TED and, Talks, and, yeah, and stuff like that. Yeah. And are the speeches always five to seven minutes, even at the highest level, or do they? Yeah. Do, and are you ever asked to use visual aids? You're not asked to use it. Uh, you can. Are you, is it suggested? At that level. I don't think people know. I don't think people really use it. It's not like there's like a PowerPoint presentation. It's really just someone you're, you have a I'm stage. sorry, what'd you say? What was that word? PowerPoint. <laughs> say it again. PowerPoint. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. Look, if you're given a, I'm not even a Toastmaster, so look, correct me if I'm wrong. If you are presenting, do yourself a favor. Know the subject matter so well that you don't need a PowerPoint. Or if you want me to listen to you, do me the favor and don't read me the PowerPoint because I do know how to read. They taught that to me in kindergarten at Longwood Elementary. I can read a PowerPoint. So either hand it to me and ask me to read it or engage me, engage with me and speak. I ask that because I enjoy uh, presenting, but I love it when the, the organizer's like, okay, well, you send me your PowerPoint. I'm like, um, hmm? Like, like just set me up with like a whiteboard and three different colored markers. I'll be good. Yeah. Like, and that's if I need them, but I like to have something. So I'm curious what others, that's just my personal preference. No, you know, I'm, no. I'm sure somewhere, some college, people way smarter and way more educated and more experienced than I'll ever be can talk about the powers of PowerPoint during a presentation. And I've just never seen it, right? And maybe that's because I'm, I'm very low level and I haven't taken it up high level with either presentations I've been a part of or I've, I've been a witness to or in the audience of. So I was just curious what they teach you at, to at Toastmasters because I'm getting intrigued personally. But if you told me I had to have like visual aids, that's when I start to like lose interest. So when you first join, there are a set of different types of speeches you have to do. Okay. In each speech, you can, it can be whatever topic you want, but then there's a different, uh, different goal for every speech. So there is one where you have to use some sort of visual aid just to get comfortable. Like a prop, a like, like Carrot Top. Carrot Top has props. He's a super funny dude. And he uses props. Yeah. Okay. Dave Chappelle doesn't need props. He's still super funny. Yeah. Okay. I gave, I gave a speech about fantasy football. Okay. And when I was first starting to uh, to write this speech, I was going to talk about how great it is. 
And then I said, you know what? I'm sure like every guy can probably relate to that, how great it is, but I'm actually going to flip the script on it and talk about how it's ruined my life. Oh, that was awesome. And it, yeah, that ended up being, I'll pro next time I go into competition, I'll probably use that as my speech because it was really good. And at the end of it, I, and underneath the podium, I had my prop, which is our, our fantasy leagues trophy. So I busted it out and I was like, all for this piece of crap right here. He's like, and I don't even want to lug it around anymore. And I just kind of talk about what a pain it is to be the commissioner. And we're 19 years into it. And my, you know, my life is over because I've signed up for a lifelong commissioner gig. And it, it's it. interesting. I don't want to go down this rabbit hole, but I will for about 30 seconds. Brett Shoot. Okay. If you asked me this dude's name yesterday, I couldn't have told it to you. Brett Shute was probably in his mid-30s, married, um, you know, living the suburban life, making good income. He's an account executive at a media rep firm. My first gig out of college, I moved from Orlando to Atlanta, and I'm an assistant at the same firm that Brett is like a you know, top-producing account executive. And I remember the second year asking him, hey, Brett, how come you're not – you know, I was young and aggressive. How come you're not playing in the, in the company fantasy football league? It was so fun last year, wasn't it, man? <laughs> And he just looked at me and goes, because I have a life. Because I have a life. And I'm like, what? And as a 42-year-old man who, by the way, is in three fantasy football leagues <laughs> and was a commissioner for a decade before I finally passed the torch, I now understand what Brett Shute was trying to tell me. He used to drive an hour to the office, an hour home. And this was before iPhones and, and technology, so I'm sure his drives were a little bit less productive than ours can be with Bluetooth capabilities, et cetera, et cetera. But he's, he's like, he's basically trying to say, I have a career, I have a wife, I have kids. I don't have the time it takes to effectively dedicate to this hobby, right, <laughs> to this game. Um, but, uh, but yeah, you, you mentioned it, and for whatever reason... Um, I would not have remembered his name, but it's, it's funny how, you know, that was 20 years ago now. Yeah. And, uh, that's, that's a memory because you don't have that many memories from 20 years ago that it just stuck. It just stuck. Just like at the same office. I can remember I used to eat every day, Philly cheesesteak, Coca-Cola and fries. And this guy's name was Chris and Chris Delaport would look at me and shake his head. I'm like, what? Like in disgust. And Chris was probably like 10 years older than me. He goes, just wait. <laughs> he goes, you won't be able to do that by the time you're 30. Yeah. And sure as shit, guess what, Chris? You're right. I cannot eat a Philly cheesesteak, a 32-ounce Coca-Cola, and French fries every day for lunch and be healthy. I guess I could if I wanted to be extremely unhealthy. Yeah. All right. So we've talked about trivia. We've talked about Toastmasters. We've talked about side hustles. We've talked about uh, emotional speeches and, and almost making it, well, making it to the world quarterfinals. Mm-hmm. Let's dive a little bit into who is Todd today. Like that, that I almost called you a wealth advisor. How dare I? No, How, that, okay, can I, is okay. that, I don't know, with, you know, with compliance and designation. Okay. Financial planner. When you look at what you do for a living, what is it that excites you about it? Both in terms of what you do the day to day, but also in the future. What is comforting to me and what excites me about it is when I work with my clients, I, one of my goals has been that I want to be the first phone call, whether something went really, really good or something went really, really bad. And I've had experiences of that happen just within this year because of all the volatility that's happened. I, I had a client this year that went through an emergency and his 
he, he was not at a position where he was not able to communicate. And his loved ones said, you know, what are, what are we supposed to do? And somebody said, you know, call Todd. This is what Todd's for. You need to talk to Todd. And being that, that phone call, so maybe I wasn't the very first phone call when something happened, but, but I'm one of the most important ones. You because, made the list. How about that? Yeah, I made the list. Yeah. I know where all the money's at. And for me, knowing that that person exists, because in my business, when I first got in the business, all I was competing against were other humans. Now I'm competing against other humans and all the robo-advisors where people can go online and do it, the, do it themselves and all of that. I'm not a big fan of DIY for anything. Yeah. Like, unless it's like yard work and it's therapeutic, painting because it's therapeutic, mm-hmm. I'm just not. I pay someone to change my oil because they can do it better and more time, it's more time efficient. Yep. Right. I mean, I, but, um, yeah, I'm, I'm just personally FYI, anyone tuning in, not Todd's take, my take your, your personal finance, your legacy, your, your long-term wealth strategy to me is not a do it yourself. Um, but that's who you compete against. That's the world that, that, that we live in. Uh, one of the things that drives you is, is knowing that you make the list for your clients, right? You're the top of the list. One of the first people they call if something went, unfortunately, not the way they had planned. Life happened. Mm-hmm. But also something great happened. You know, as a loan officer, that's why this show is called the Loan Officer Podcast. Not because we specifically only talk to loan officers. It's because, in my opinion, everyone needs a loan officer in their back pocket. Because loan officers, kind of like a very good financial planner, I'm sure, you didn't correct me if I'm wrong, you're probably someone whose job is to know people. Mm-hmm. right? Your job is to know the right attorney, to know the right CPA to know the right expert for whatever your clients may need. That way they only need one person on that list of people to call. They know if they call you from there, you can quarterback it out. And the same thing applies to a, to a good loan officer. A good loan officer is hyper local and hyper focused in their community. Therefore they're connected to so many different people. Let me ask you this. What drives you? Like what, what has motivated you to achieve what you have because for those that, that don't know Todd's story, he started at a uh, institution that is large. It's a household name. Everyone knows it. Um, I'm sure it's fantastic to you. They have one of the best training programs in the country for not just what you do, but in sales in general. Um, but then you and three other guys parlayed that experience to open your own firm. Mm-hmm. Um, and you've had your own firm open for how long now? Six years. For the, the, the past six years. What... In a fairly young age, right? You're mm-hmm. not even 40. 35. Yeah, yeah you're 35. Um, what? So you were 29 when you started your own firm, right? That's pretty awesome. Where does that motivation come from? There are so many people out there that get bad advice, whether they're reading it online or they are seeing it on TV or they're just getting advice from a, a buddy of theirs at a barbecue who might have a completely different financial situation than them. And I use my own grandfather as an example. As he got older and his, you know, his mind started to diminish a little bit, like anybody else these days, he was getting like those scam phone calls and emails. Mm-hmm. And unlike you and I, when we get those type of things about our, our rich uncle, uh, you know, we inherited $60 million, All we do is send a check for 6000 bucks, and they'll send it to yeah. us. Uh, unlike us, because of his diminished capacity at the time, uh, he actually fell for those, and it w- it was went on for a couple of years of thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars until my dad realized it. Wow! And you know he never had, at least at that time, he didn't have someone like myself that he could then bounce an idea off of and just give a quick phone call to, or maybe a quick text, and just say, "Hey, 
you think this is a good idea? Because I want, I want my clients to reach out to me. Like, they'll say this is probably a stupid question. I get a few of those a week, and they're like, this is probably a stupid question, but just to be safe, you think I should do this? And he didn't really have someone like that that he could turn to and um, that he ended up gotten taken advantage of. And, and I don't know if there's, you know, people don't hit it to that extent, but I just feel like there's just so many bad pieces of advice out there that, that one of my driving factors is just to make sure that I can get the word out to as many people as possible just to make smart financial decisions. And I feel like I've made a good impact on them. Who needs a financial planner? That's a great question because I was speaking to UCF students a couple weeks ago and they, they were asking, do UCF students need a financial planner? And, and it was like, well, the kind of the comment that I kind of thought of is they could certainly go out and get one, but I don't think they're going to be able to afford it most of the time as a college student. But a lot of times the most important times when someone needs it are these, these large life changes. So buying a house, having a kid, getting married, getting divorced, retiring, starting a business. There, there's all these different things that you're gonna go through in life that's just gonna happen no matter what. And it is highly beneficial to have someone that you can talk to from the financial end of things. And I have a client who owns a couple of gyms and, and the way he looks at me is that uh, him being a financial or a personal trainer is that his clients could go out and do everything that he tells them to do on their own. Mm -hmm. They could go do the workouts, they could eat correctly, they, they could do it all themselves, but people just don't go do that. So then they pay him hundreds of dollars every single month to show up at 5.30 in the morning and to force them to do the certain workouts and to keep them accountable and tell them what to eat and, eat and put them on a plan. Essentially what I do as well. So for me, he's like, Todd, you're like my, my personal financial trainer and you're the one that kind of puts me on this plan and then just you know tells, tells me where to go. And that plan needs to change. It's gonna change over time because we don't have no idea what's gonna happen. But uh, I feel like you know, there's a lot of people out there that need that, especially when they're going through some of those big life changes. Yeah, I found for, um, for my personal situation, it benefited my wife and I early on to have a third party that we both could buy into. So a financial planner early on in our marriage was no longer about her view of money and my view of money. It was about Kirk's view of money. She and I just agreed that we both would buy into whatever Kirk taught us. And that allowed her to, if I was going to do something that didn't follow the plan, she didn't have to be the bad guy. Mm -hmm. She could just say, well, what would Kirk do? What would Kirk say? Should we call Kirk? That was a gentle reminder to be like, ah, that's not on the plan. And vice versa, right? If, if she wanted to do something and I was the, the, the more steady hand at the moment, I could say to her. And so every time that, you know, as that question has been posed to me, I've said, well, you know, I think as early as possible, but as long as you have a J-O-B and you pay your B-I-L-L-S, you pay your bills mm -hmm. and you're following a decent enough budget that you have some money left over at the end of the day. Right. Like, like that's like, okay, at that point you should sit down with someone at a minimum, just to educate yourself at a minimum, just to hear how someone with more knowledge thinks, because it could change the way that, that, that you think. Mm -hmm. uh, but I'm not a financial planner. I'm not a financial advisor. Hell, I'm not even a financial representative. <laughs> you right? could be one if you take a test this weekend. Is it, is it that easy? No, well, no. You, well, you take a 40 hour class and then, um, it's not that easy, but okay. a couple of tests. Yeah. Look, I have a couple of buddies. Like, come on. Come on. <laughs> no, I'm joking. Um, how about this question? What is something that you wish you knew 
earlier in life, but it took you longer to figure out. Like, like I know what your son's two, your daughter's like four, right? So your yeah. kids are still little, little. Mm-hmm. You're not having those man-to-man, woman-to-man type conversations just yet. But um, if you were, or more importantly, if you got a hold of yourself at 19 or 21 or 23, what are some things that you would tell yourself today that you wish you knew? Yeah, I'd say in those in those early years, well, I kind of go back to the things we've already talked about. Like trivia, I would have done that like five nights a week in college. Okay. I knew about it then. Toastmasters, I would have started that early. So a lot of those those things which have led me to where I am today, I would have started sooner. But I think back about... Which I'm so sorry to interrupt you. College kids listening, what I just heard from Todd, start networking now. If you're not networking now, and networking can be fun, such as trivia, mm-hmm. Toastmasters isn't not fun, mm-hmm. right? Toastmasters can be fun. Yeah. Start networking now. All right, go ahead. And it's and there's like, you mentioned there's a couple in Central Florida. There's probably like at least 20 of them in Central Florida. Holy cow. So they're all over okay. the place. And it's free to go check it out, and you can go a couple times and, and see if you like it. Kind of like that heroin dealer. That's right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, that, that, that first bag of black tar heroin's free. Yeah. The second one, half price. The third one, though, that's when we get you. Exactly, yeah. And then they force you to come on podcast and talk talk about it. Yes. <laughs> but uh, there's – so those are some things I would have done differently. I have the fortune of having some good mentors that, that have helped me out over the years, but I would have been more – I would have swallowed my pride even more and, and reached out to more people and asked, asked for more help if I could have. Find more mentors. Yeah. Okay. Network early. Network often. Find more mentors. Hang out with people who want to be, or more importantly, hang out with people you want to be more like. Mm-hmm. Hang out with people that have maybe achieved uh, a certain level in their career that you aspire to achieve. Um, how about this question? Where do people go wrong most, most often? Right when When you're... When you're doing your, your consultations and, and your uh, pre-client interviews, is there a, a single one or two aspects of just the American populace that they're, they're just not getting X right? And if they could get X right, it would make their life so much easier going forward, whether it's the next decade or the next five decades. A common thing that, that you're going to see everywhere is people not saving enough for retirement. And when we look at like our parents or our grandparents, you know, in the, in the 1980s, over 80% of the people had pensions. So people, would, you know, you go work at the same job for 30 years, and then they're going to give you a pension guaranteed for the rest of your life. And, and many, many, many years ago, people's life expectancy wasn't very long. So they're like, yeah, sure, we'll pay you for the rest of your life. We know you won't make it to 70. And Social Security was the same way. When that first started coming out in the 1930s, people just didn't live that long. So the government was like, yeah, whatever. We'll, we'll, we'll take care of you. So those things, you know, Social Security is going to look different. We don't know what it's going to mm-hmm. look like, but I, I know it's going to look different than it does today. Most people now do not have pension plans. So 401ks came out as a supplement to those things. And it was basically like the third option for people. And then now 401k or 403b or whatever the retirement plan is through work is now the first option for people. And unlike those other pension plans where the company was putting all the money in, now it's up to us to put all the money in. And, you know, most you're going to line up, if you line up 100 people, 95 of them are not putting away enough money for long term. Wow. Yeah, that's something that even here um, with the mortgage business, with the, the Waterstone mortgage business, we match not greatly, but it's 50 cents on the dollar. 
right? Up to 6%. So if someone's putting in six grand, we're giving them three grand. That's great. And we try to tell our associates like you're, when you don't contribute, you're leaving $3,000 on the table. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a 50% rate of return. And just by not contributing, you're, you're telling me, you're raising your hand saying, yeah, I don't care about that money. And then you coming in as a financial planner saying one of the most common mistakes people are making, especially in today's day and age, is they're not saving enough for retirement. Many of us who work for larger corporations who offer some form of a 401k or 403b, regardless of match or not, we're able to have that money taken out of our pay before it's taxed, before we see it, but both, both on our pay stub and also in our direct deposit. And for most of us, if it's not in our bank, we won't spend it. So mm-hmm. it's like a four savings. Yep. And, and, and you're saying if people could just contribute in their 401k, they would be vastly better off because you see so many who don't. Before we wrap up the show, parting shots. What, what is it that you have, imagine this is 2021 and our audience has grown from hundreds to tens of thousands. And this episode is going to be replayed and your voice is going to resonate in the listener's ear. What is it that you want as Todd Bryant, the financial planner, what is it that you want them to know about what you do for a living and how they can better their lives going forward based on the little bit of knowledge that, that you could share with them. Like, wait, what's a good parting shot? Yeah, I'll go to one of my favorite quotes by Zig Ziglar, who said, you can have anything you want in life if you help enough people get what they want. And one of the things that's been extremely impactful to me for the past 15 years now is I, I work with a group called Outreach Love, and we mentor and tutor kids from the Paramore area in downtown Orlando. And I found out about this through UCF, and I saw that it was a way where I could give back. And I could, you know, I talked about finding mentors. It was an opportunity for me to be a mentor. And I called about it, and I inquired about it, and realized it was on Saturday mornings. At the time, I was in college, and I was like, no, 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 Saturday mornings are no good. <laughs> what other day of the week can I show up? And they're like, no, it has to be Saturdays. So somehow, I showed up there every other Saturday for 10 years straight, every other Saturday morning. And the difference that, that it made in these children's lives that most of them didn't really have a, an adult, especially a male adult role model in their life, because most of them had a single mom that they lived with, and they were one of many kids, and their class was overcrowded in school, so their one-on-one time with me was going to be the only one-on-one time that week. And for me, I think about that quote from Zig Ziglar, both in, in that role, but also professionally in what I do, and it makes me think about you know, the impact that all of us could make through helping other people because you never know what they're going to be able to go off and do and, and how that's going to make a difference for you. So I did that so I could help them, but then I realized through all those years of doing it and being a part of it how much it helped me. And I feel the same way when I help people with planning for retirement or planning for their kids' college or just planning for the future. As they're leaving my office, just that confidence that they have and just be like, oh, thank God, we, you know, we, we've talked about doing this forever. And it's always important, but it's never really urgent. Mm-hmm. So we're just so glad we got that off our, off our plate and we got it checked off. So I kind of go back to that quote a, lo- a lot from Zig Ziglar and just think about you know, the, the potential impact that I could make on, on others and using that as a way to then make a good impact for me and my family and my business. That's fantastic. If someone wants to get a hold of you, how do they get a hold of you, Todd? So LinkedIn okay. is probably the best. And... My nickname since high school has been the Todd Father. 
Okay. A couple of years uh, ago. That's a whole nother episode right there. All right, let's get the second one rolling. <laughs> uh, a couple of years ago, there was a baseball player that was going by the Todd father. He won. I don't even remember his last name, but he won the home run derby. Todd Frazier, probably. Yeah. Okay. So my buddies are texting me that night. I don't watch baseball that much. And they're like, hey, this guy's calling himself the Todd Father. It's all over TV. So that night, I went on to GoDaddy, and I bought the domain, theoriginaltoddfather.com. And my plan, just as a joke, was I was going to kind of make it like a, a fake uh, like parody of myself or something. I never did anything with it. But I actually made that website the link to my LinkedIn. So if you go to theoriginaltoddfather.com, it just routes it to my LinkedIn page. Oh, that's fantastic. That's actually how you and I originally hooked up was through LinkedIn, yep. right? I mean, mutual, mutual acquaintances put us together, yeah. but it was via LinkedIn that you and I started chatting. Uh, I was able to convince you to come in and dedicate an hour of your time to the show, which I totally appreciate. He's Todd. I'm Dio. That is all the time we have for you today. But if you need us, the Todd father, the original, the original Toddfather.com. <laughs> He's Todd Bryant with Signature Wealth Advisors. He's a wealth planner, not a wealth. No, no, no I'm sorry. Oh, I died down, butchered that up. He's a financial planner, not a financial advisor, nor a financial representative. Well, you can, you can call me financial advisor or financial planner, just not financial representative. I'll call you the Todd father. But that's all the time we have for today. Todd, thank you very much for coming on the show. Yeah, thank you, Dustin.